Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming into you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Jackie from Houston, and I have Rahul here from Stamford, Connecticut. Hey, Rahul, how's it going? It's going well. I'm here with my Italian roast coffee from Kickoff Coffee, and I'm ready to go. We need that cup, cup of coffee late at night. We're recording this podcast at almost midnight Eastern today. It's when things get a little bit quiet and we can actually focus and do this. No Alex today as he needs to wrap up his final essays and finish the semester on a high. But speaking of highs, Rahul, let's talk about the previous game. We played Leicester at the bridge with fans and it was a favorable, favorable result, my friend. It was favorable. It wasn't easy. And if it wouldn't... If it wouldn't be easy, it wouldn't be Chelsea. So uh, we get the win, like you said, and jump into third. But man, that game, going into it, we were so nervous. And then the last 10 minutes were just, my heart was in my mouth. <laughs> so we'll do things a little bit different today, Rahul. Usually we walk through the game and review the starting lineup and whatnot. We're just going to jump in and have a casual discussion since we're missing Alex today. And I know you said it wasn't easy, but that first half, we were all over Leicester, I must say. We were. We started off like a house on fire, and it's. I don't know if it's the fans or if it's just the loss from the FA Cup final, but it was a, a night and day difference between the two performances. Yeah, actually, that's what I was thinking, and I was like, "Where was this in the FA Cup right? final?" Now, we, we don't want to go talk about the FA Cup final. We've done that already. Sad days are, are, are gone, but this was a big game for us. Everybody knows that. You've said that in previous episodes. We had four finals, quote unquote basically from the FA Cup final till the end of the season. And I think we turned up at least in that first half. We did, absolutely. We were off to a great start. I think we were 60, 70% possession in that first half. Right. Uh, And you knew Leicester were going to come and sit deep and they didn't have to come out and win this game. And so until we would make a move or score a goal, they were just going to stay tight. And they stayed tight, did everything they could, Defended pretty well for the most part, but we kept getting chances. And as we do, we create a lot of chances, but struggle to finish them. Yeah, it seems to be a recurring theme with Chelsea. We just don't seem to put the ball in the net. However, we did end up putting the ball in the net a couple of times. But maybe we should open up this discussion with Timo Werner and how his performance went. And we can do more than just the first half, basically what he played. Yeah, he was on fire he was everywhere he was involved with everything uh i don't know if that's because the fans were there and he that was really maybe the first or second time he's played in front of the chelsea fans and he wanted right. to impress them or he was had a word with tuchel and tuchel said listen man i keep picking you need to justify uh your you know that decision by the performances and i think he justified at least in this game why he's been picked over the last few weeks yeah he definitely was extremely extremely lively i think if i didn't lose count he put the ball in the net three times a couple of times were offside and one of them was a handball rightly so called off by var but we'll talk about var towards the end of this so i don't get a little bit heated like i always do with var but he seems to be that guy that plays off the shoulder rahul and i think every time he's got that inch or two where he can just spin off and score goal but he has the pace and i'm wondering he keeps getting called offside quite a bit if he just maybe times his run a little bit better or delays it a second, or maybe the team teammates behind him pay attention to give it to him a little bit earlier. He could really score quite a few goals in the Premier League. I mean, he's right on the edge of all of these defenders. He is. And I, 
I think I texted you or maybe it was a tweet I put on and I said, when Timo Werner is offside and goes in on goal and scores, his finishing is Excellent. second to none, <laughs> right. uh, which is confusing because when he actually gets the chances, sometimes he just misses them or scoffs them. Uh, but you're right. When he's offside, you're, we're thinking you've got the pace. Most of these defenders wouldn't be able to catch you. So even if you stayed you know, in front of them and saw the ball coming, you could run onto it. But I watched his interview and they asked him, they said, you've been offside quite a few times this season. What's going on? And he said, in this particular instance, he thought the ball was going out to Chilwell. And so maybe that is more of the tactic and training that they do is they spread the play. Right. But I guess sometimes when there's an opportunity to play Timo in, the guys do it. But I, in, in his mind, he's not that aware of that ball coming through. So he just stays offside, which is, which is weird and baffling to think about because you, you should always be ready. Uh, but maybe that's something for us to improve on next season. Yeah, and maybe something we're being a little bit overly critical on Timo Werner because he's been criticized quite a bit this season, not only by you and I and Alex, but a lot of the Chelsea fans and, and of course, opposition alike and pundits and things like that. But there is a silver lining in the fact that I think just as you described it, when the ball comes to him in those quick situations where, hey, you've got off the last shoulder and you need to finish it, he finishes it like it's second nature. Like he knows where the net is. He knows how to finish it off. So I, for one, even though I'm not trying to get it myself, I think I'm a little more excited for next season. I think Timo needs to put this season behind him, hopefully with a Champions League in his in his pocket. My fingers are crossed here. And then we can see what happens next year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I It's not a bad season. I think the last time we said 30 goal involvements. Wow. Uh, in this game alone, he had four or five. Yes, majority of those were canceled off or taken <laughs> off. But he kept going. He kept trying. At one point, I even think he said to Mike Dean, like, come on, because he was frustrated. Right. Uh, but he didn't stop. And when he walked off that pitch, he got the the applause from the fans, which he deserves. He deserved that. And I think that's going to boost his confidence going into the next couple of games. Yeah. One thing on the opposite side of boosting confidence, Rahul, is he put the ball in the net, like you said, I think three or four times. I lost count at some at some point. What's frustrating, and I'm bringing in VAR right now, some of the decisions are absolutely correct. Some of the decisions are wrong. We can get into it, specifically the penalty decision that we can talk about that happened earlier or whatnot. But what, what's happening with VAR, and I think we've repeated this on this podcast, is a decision happens whereas a goal is given. For example, the goal that Timo Werner scored with his hand rightly chalked off. The amount of excitement and passion, I mean, he even went and slid, did a sliding celebration to his knees because he was, I mean, it was like weight lifted off your shoulders. You're so excited to get that goal. And of course, VAR comes back and, and rules it off. And this is one of the things I've talked about and criticized very heavily is if they can't make a decision within 10 seconds or less, they're actually ruining some of the passion behind the game. Do we want every decision right? Yes, but there needs to be a, a fine balance. that they, I don't think they've figured that piece out just yet. They haven't. And I actually stopped celebrating any of the goals after that point because there was like, what's the point? You, they're going to look at know. it. And with Chelsea's luck, the last few games, it's going to be taken off. Uh, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. It was the right decision in that case. But there were so many other calls throughout this game that you were wondering what's going on. And you brought up one such decision with the penalty, right. which is a penalty any day, any game, any team but Chelsea. It's an interesting one, Rahul, because I heard two sides of the story. And then I'll let you give me your thoughts on it as well, because I'll be 
up front. I think it was a penalty clean as day. But when Timo Werner went and put his foot in front of, I think it was Yuri Tillemans, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a situation where Tillemans was trying to tackle him. It was a situation where Timo put his foot forward and Tillemans was trying to kick it to clear it away and unfortunately kicked Timo. The first out of story I heard was, well, Tillemans was just trying to clear the ball and Timo planted his foot in front of him, which means it wasn't really a foul. He was trying to go for it. He didn't mean it, yada, yada, yada. But by the letter of the law, it doesn't matter what your intent or anything was. You could clumsily trip on the guy and you've ruined a goal-scoring opportunity. And that's where my head's at. VAR looks at things, as we've just discussed, sometimes 15, 20. I've seen it go up to two minutes sometimes when they're looking at offside rulings and things like that. It seemed like they didn't even take a second to look at this one. They didn't. And Mike Dean was standing a few yards away from it. His eyes, you can see, are directly on this incident. And yeah, you can say Timo Werner got ahead of Tillmans and put his foot there. But you've got to see that Timo Werner was sharp enough and aware enough that there is an opportunity for me to sneak in here and probably get kicked to his credit. He knew it was he wasn't going to go anywhere from there. Right. So he was like, I'm going to take this kick, but I am going to get fouled in the box by the lesser player. And it's going to be a penalty. And neither the on-field referee nor VAR nor anybody on the sideline or anyone says anything about it. And that's the baffling part of it is us as fans. Okay. Not Chelsea fans. There's other fans out there that are saying, Oh, that's a penalty. Like if it was for our team, we would want a penalty too. And so it's like, what is the, what is the law then? Yeah. And I think the point behind this Rahul, at least from my perspective, is it's not just what is the law. It's what does VR bring to the table when, supposedly what is a clearest day decision gets muddied up and no one looks at it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make you feel warm and cozy when VR is involved. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't. And I, I, the fans voiced it out perfectly when they had some colorful words to say about VAR after the multiple decisions. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's like, what is the point of VAR if we're just not going to use it the right way? Right. No, and, and speaking of fans, Rahul, I think we've spoken about VR quite a bit here. And looping back into Timo Warner, at the end of the game, he was actually pictured dancing to the fans celebrating. And so I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier in the episode where Timo seems to be happy, excited to have fans back in and maybe one of the key reasons he performed so well. So nice to see the young man smiling, nice to see him dancing and having a good time. So hopefully the resurgence of fans and we have been told and we're hearing that it will slowly increase and increase and increase till we have full capacity again. And maybe he's that kind of guy that needs that extra motivation and that praise and that love from the fans to perform even better. Yeah, he, he does. And just on the points of the fans, even though it was just, I think 8,000 Chelsea fans in there, it felt like it was 40,000 and it was a full house and everybody was singing right from the, the first uh, whistle all the way to the end. Uh, and some of the videos that were on social media and things that came out, I, I really wish we were there too. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely the right move. And it's good to see that fans are coming back. And we've seen throughout this match week that fans made a difference wherever they were. Yeah. And yeah. I was thinking about it. Like if I'm a player, I've gone over a year now without fans in the stadium. It takes some adjusting to as well. Uh, so it's going to be interesting how it comes back next season with full houses and how players and stuff react to it. But it's it's great. 
Yeah, I guess there's a good little middle ground where we have 8,000 increases to 20 increases. So we don't get culture shock of the full 40, 50,000 people screaming in the same time in the stadium. So no, definitely a beautiful sight to see. We obviously love to see the fans in the stadium. Football is for the fans. You and I are fans alike. Alex is a huge fan and we love to support and watch from afar. But we haven't even talked about the goals, Raul. It ended up being 2-1 to Chelsea. Goals coming from Antonio Rudiger. And then a hop, skip, and a jump penalty from Jorginho. So thoughts on those two men? I I don't have enough words to say about Rudiger. This game, wow. He turned it on. This was a completely different player. <laughs> uh, defending full on. Even like the the aggression, you know, when the ball wasn't near a player, but he would just go in and, and drop a shoulder and, and do it in a very innocent way. <laughs> but he would let them know that, that he's there. And you saw a couple of times it happened with uh, Madison. It happened with Kelechi Hinacho when he came on. And then that lung-busting run, and then he does the uh, the roulette and then gets the <laughs> ball back, gets fouled, gets involved in a fight at the end. And then the best part of all of it was at the end of the game, they interviewed him and he goes, some of those guys don't know how to celebrate. So we had to punish them. <laughs> yeah, so he's sending a message clearly to somebody we don't want to talk about it and give right. airtime to. But no, I'm glad you talked quite a bit about Rudiger because I think he was probably one of, if not the best player on the night, obviously scoring the goal, defending really, really well. And Rudiger has been almost reborn underneath Tuchel. I mean, early in the season when he would come in for a few games under Frank, we would say, eh, Rudiger doesn't look the same. We don't really trust Rudiger. But he really, really seemed aggressive, seemed like he wants to be there, seemed like he was ready to play for Chelsea, which we obviously knew. Rudiger, of a few years ago, that was one of the best in the league, is not gone. It's just a matter of finding the right formula to bring him back to life and, and go through there. Do you think that the way he performed, and obviously not just him, the team performed, has a big thing to do with the FA Cup? It's almost like revenge, payback, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. I think they they felt that they didn't deserve to lose the final. And they obviously knew this game was a must win. So I think those two things combined and obviously the fans being there, they wanted to put on a show and they wanted to, like I was saying with the off the ball stuff and just the overall way they were getting under Leicester's skin uh, was a sign to me that they had collectively decided that this was one of the ways to disturb the way Leicester were going to play. And Hey, if that's how it works, then, I will tell all the squad players that Aguero threw our pennant over his shoulder <laughs> um, and it's time to get revenge on them because if that's how they play, that's just what the motivation has to be to them. Yeah, and I think you described it perfectly in the fact that it was done cheekily or innocently when he's doing it. I don't think there was any malintent or malice. I didn't see anybody purposefully going out there to try and hurt anyone. It was more of like, let me bump you a little bit hard or let me poke you a little bit when we're making a challenge so you know that I'm here and I'm 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 ready to play. Yeah, and that's that's what they did even Reese James who again featured at right center back and I think that was more for a Tuchel saying I know what I was doing and it didn't work but it's going to work this time and it worked very well. Vardy had absolutely nothing to show for. Yeah, he didn't have a sniff in and I think it made sense and I think we also discussed that in one of the previous episodes was 
if we had won that game, it's a Tuchel masterclass, right? He made the right decisions and everything. And honestly, Reese James didn't do anything wrong in that previous game. I know we've already reviewed it and talked about it. It was just a matter of the team didn't wake up on that day and perform, but they did for this particular game. We've already alluded to the fight that happened at the end or towards the end, Rahul, with Rudiger leading some of the scenes. Do you want to take us through what you saw and maybe give a minute timeline to that uh, one player that we don't want to talk about? Yeah, I think um, Ricardo Pereira fouled Ben Chilwell, former teammate. Um, and Rudiger steps in and says, don't don't mess with my fullback. And then others get involved. And um, there's a whole, like, group of players on the right. touchline just going at it and then Danny Lamarde shows up who was on the <laughs> bench hadn't featured at all and as soon as I think Mount realizes that he's there Tiago Silva realizes he's there Aspie realizes he's there they all just turn their attention to him and start like <laughs> yelling at him and then Alonso gets involved and it was a beautiful thing to see uh, even though was, if players were going at each other that these guys were very well aware of what had happened and right. obviously had seen the videos like you and I had. And they didn't forget it. And yes, he didn't play the game, but when they eventually saw him, they kept pushing him and just yelling at him. And I think Alex made the the post or something about it that even as a even in the scuffle or as a brawl, he still never made it onto the pitch. <laughs> That's a funny one right there. And actually true, but we're not condoling violence by any mean, Rahul, but it's a good one to see the passion. I think is probably the right word I'm looking for. The passion of some of the players who haven't been there very long. You're talking about Thiago Silva, who's more so new to Chelsea, new to England, but you can see there's clearly a love for the badge and love for Chelsea. And he's enjoying his football and he's loving going towards finals. And obviously we didn't win the last final, but somebody who clearly sees respect as a big thing here. And when he's not getting that respect or his club is not getting that respect, He's ready to stand up for it. Of course, no words to describe Aspiliqueta. We know he's the captain. He's going to come up there and stand up. But to see all of them just so focused to get this clown, for lack of a better word, off the pitch, I think was exciting to see. And like you said, I, I don't like to see people fighting, but if you got a, a push or two to get him off the pitch, why not? Yeah, and it was like this whole game would have gone through without this incident and we would have all been fine with it. But this just added to the to the victory and the overall feeling of it. Uh, you mentioned Thiago Silva. He's most likely signing a new contract, which means he will be at Chelsea for another year. And that in itself, Jackie, I was thinking about it earlier. We've seen John Terry leave before turning 36 at Chelsea. We've seen Rio Ferdinand leave Manchester United, Vidic. And Thiago Silva at 36 going 37, what he's doing in this league has to be commended like big time. Yeah, absolutely. Take your hat off for him because I think it's not only that you're able to maintain your fitness, Rahul. I think in the modern day and age, some of these players have trained their whole lives. So their bodies are almost like machines. I don't want to compare them to machines, but they're almost like machines. I think apart from fitness, it's the level of quality of play. Maybe I didn't say that right, but I'm going to stick with it. It's how well you perform week in, week out when called upon. And, and he seems to do it. It seems like whenever he's called upon, he doesn't put a foot wrong. He's ready to show up and, and he's clearing balls off the line. I mean, I think I remember one where there was a long ball over the top and Vardy was chasing it down and Thiago Silva gently heads it backwards and then gracefully swan dives into the ground and gets up and is ready to do another move. Yeah, he's and he played Saturday. He played a full game. He played this game. So you're right. He's staying fit. And it's great to see. I'm, I'm sure the players around him benefit from it. The players in front of him benefit from it. 
And Mendy, who's been excellent himself, benefits from having this leader with the experience. Uh, so I'm not trying to get ahead of myself, but it would be good to see Thiago Silva uh, put the misery from last year's Champions League final right this year. Uh, and while we're still on Thiago Silva, just a quick shout out to his wife, Isabel Silva. She's turned into this hero for Chelsea fans and she doesn't even play, but everything <laughs> she does on Instagram and in social media with the latest thing being at, she was at the game yesterday and the Chelsea fans were talking about Spurs and how they don't like them. And she sang along and <laughs> just, and then said, Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to say that. It was just a funny thing. So a quick shout out for her. No, it's good. And I think we talked about a different situation with Tammy Abraham's wag and how she was negatively impacting at least what we perceive you know, the morale of the team. So it's kind of nice to see the opposite here with her actually positively impacting the morale of the team. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up Tammy Abraham because he was back on the bench for this game. He obviously <laughs> didn't feature, but when Rudiger makes that run down the wing uh, and is trying to win the ball back after he had lost it, Tammy Abraham was there clapping him on, encouraging him. And that just warms my heart because I know he's had a tough time. He hasn't played. He hasn't gotten the chance to do what he loves to do, but he still loves Chelsea. And that's what makes it all worth it. Yeah. And that's something, Raul, I think when we get towards an episode, when we do a full season review, I think it's something we need to highlight that even though Frank is not with us, what he's done to bring some of the youth players who have now made that step up into the senior team is incredible because I think I've said this before and every Chelsea fan through and through knows these boys bleed blue. They've been at the club since they were eight, nine years old and have been there their whole lives. Obviously, you have love and passion for Chelsea, but it is your profession and you want to show what you can do in your profession. If you're not playing, you're going to have to go somewhere else to play. It's not it's not a new story with, with Chelsea youth players. So that's something we can discuss in the future and talk about. But lovely scenes to see the passion, not only just from Tammy, but the whole team that they could see was up for this one and passionate for this one. So... I myself was really, really excited to see that. But speaking of the whole team, we actually had a bit of bad news in Conte going off, right? Yeah, he midway through that first half uh, went off. And at that point, you're wondering what's going on. Why is he going off? And then Tuchel comes out and says it was just precautionary. He felt a little bit of hamstring pull uh, and just wanted to be careful and came off. And what a good replacement to bring on in Kovacic. Yeah, we haven't seen Kovacic for a few games, but as soon as he came on, you could see that energy that we are sometimes missing in the middle. Now, I know Conte does it really, really well, but Kovacic almost glides. And I think I say that about a few of our players, but he almost glides with the ball, makes those penetrating runs, and then finds a quick pass left or right to just bring the game forward. So it's good to have him back. Like I said, I think we've we played with a pivot of two usually and having just Jorginho and Kante play game after game after game must be tiring for them. I know I said their bodies are like machines a few minutes ago, but it does have a toll and it does take a toll. So also glad that Kante decided that, hey, I'm not feeling 100% right now. So why push myself? I know Kova's on the bench. Let him come on and have a game, a game and a run out. Yeah, I agree. I think that was a smart decision from him. And uh, he's had a few injuries. So I think with the big game coming up uh, in a week's time, that was the perfect thing for him to do. And coaches, like you said, is, is an able and needed the game time. A lot of people on our Instagram were asking, why isn't he starting? Why isn't he playing? Uh, and you could see why well, he makes a difference, but he didn't need to be rushed back Rush in. Him. He could have been eased in, which is what happened. Yeah, and, and I'm glad to see that 
nobody else came off with any major issues. So now we reset and go forward towards the next game. But before we move on to other topics, Raul, one man that we need to talk about, like we said, it ended 2-1, is Kelichi Inacho. And I think I've praised this young man before in different games, not necessarily the FA Cup, but he scores again. And I think since January or February, I think he's the top goal scorer in the Premier League. I could be wrong. I don't want to say that. But he seems to have a knack or has at least developed a knack in this season for being almost like a poacher, a goal finisher or goal scorer when called upon. And he's taken a little bit of pressure off of Jamie Vardy, who seems to be the only guy that was scoring for a long time. But Brendan Rodgers throws him on and and he pinches a goal again. He does. And it was apparently he had scored on every day of the week this season, except for Tuesday. And he, of (laughs) course, turned up against Chelsea and Chelsea being charity FC gave him that goal. Um, So he sets that record. But like I said, it was given goal to him because we basically just handed that to them and made it a little uncomfortable for ourselves uh, towards the end. But he took it well. And should Mendy have saved it? Should he have not saved it? It's a question that, you know, luckily we don't have to answer right now. But uh, the concern for me from this whole thing was if we get pressed the way we did with in that moment, we're not aware enough to, you know, mark the person that's gone into the box in a Hinatra or or just not turn over the ball that fast and concede a goal. So, Hopefully this was a learning moment uh, and it didn't negatively impact us. That's a good point. And I don't want to drag on on this too long because at the end of the day, we did win the game. But when we did get pressed, one of the quick questions I had was the back three looked a little bit stretched almost where even though, yes, the ball was trying to leave our half and leave our possession, Nacho was kind of unmarked and free in the middle. It's almost like they said, hey, the ball's going to go out. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Maybe switched off for a second or, you know, not paying attention to your surroundings or whatnot. And we've said this before, and we're always cautious in the big games. I'm talking about Manchester city here. They will punish things like this. So overall, I think it was a great performance. Do you have a man of the match? I do. And it's, it's gotta be Rudiger. He gets the goal involved with everything positive and negative in quotes when I say the brawl (laughs) and stuff, but positive for me. So I think it was Rudiger and, if that mask is what gives him his powers, he should continue wearing. <laughs> I was going to say maybe because I started watching the game on my phone again, we've got that good luck. So now I got to agree with you there, Rahul. I think Rudy Dino, I'm going to go with that one. Rudy Dino with his, you know, turn around the world and rolling the ball and fighting people. He was like prime Roberto Carlos playing on the left side of those three was incredible. And I hope he continues, especially in the last couple of games towards the end of a big, big season here. But that really wraps up the review. Now we're going to talk about the next game in a few minutes. But we have a couple of random topics we can discuss here, Rahul. And looks like we have a new training shirt. We do. It looked, personally, to me, looked better than our actual new home <laughs> kit. Uh, but our new sponsor, Trivago, uh, for the training side, is just launched the new kits today. And I believe the players were wearing the black one because there was a launch thing at, at Stanford Bridge with Espelacueta, Erickson from the women's team, the women's captain, and then Emma Hayes and Tuchel. And with the pictures up on our Instagram, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. And it looked pretty good. And Trivago is a travel site, I believe. Um, and so, hey, maybe they'll start giving out some trips to fans and stuff, which will be good. 
That'd be incredible. And I, I saw that you poked a little bit of fun at the black and yellow color there. You were trying to hint at us possibly getting a striker, maybe? Yeah, you know, it was a very similar kit or close to the Dortmund kit. And so I said, maybe this is a way to make Holland feel at home after his <laughs> switch this summer. And speaking of strikers, Rahul, I think we've got some other news that's coming out of the Premier League in that Harry Kane, whether we know this or not, has formally put in a request for a transfer saying that he would like to leave Tottenham Hotspur this summer. Yeah, huge news. And it's one that's going to impact not only Tottenham Hotspur, but some of our other top-of-the-table rivals in Man City, (laughs) Manchester United, uh, because with the fees that are being reported, 120 million to 150 million, there's only a few teams that can afford him. Uh, And if he goes abroad, I think maybe PSG could swing that, uh, especially with Pochettino there. But I think Kane wants to stay in the Premier League to beat Alan Shearer's uh, Premier League record. So, I'm personally concerned because if he ends up in Manchester City, we may as well just give up on the title because they're just going to be all around complete. Yeah, it's one of those interesting ones that we're going to pay close attention to in the summertime here when all the transfers start up. But you had put a poll up there and asked if people wanted Kane. I think we got a lot of reviews and results that there are needs or that we do want to strike her. I personally think we need a midfielder actually a central midfielder in this particular case and we actually play a pivot or we play two usually and we have Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic but we seem to be light in the midfield you think we need to add one more maybe? Yeah we absolutely need to add a midfielder uh, because like you said we're a little bit light and we do need the quality there in case one of these other guys are out or just a different uh, player that brings a different attribute and characteristic to the team Uh, But just quickly going back to that post you mentioned about the strikers. So I had put up Kane, Lukaku, who's also supposedly on the move. Uh, Holland, who's most likely going to be leaving this summer. I said, who else would you guys want? And a lot of people, Jackie, want Kane because he's the finished product, guarantees goals. And with the chances that we create, the feeling is that Kane would put away most of those. Uh, yeah, I guess my only concern with Kane, Rahul, and I don't really want to open this conversation here, but it's definitely a good one to have, is there's a little bit of flashbacks of the Fernando Torres incident. Someone coming at the age of 28, which would typically be your prime. You're looking at when someone's either going to explode or change from here. And obviously, we know what happened with Torres. It doesn't mean it will happen with Kane, but I look and see what we're trying to build with Chelsea. And typically, we've had success with players who are going to come and stay with us for a decade. I'm talking about Didier Drogba, who came at 23, 24, Frank Lampard coming at 2021, 20, John Terry, of course, from the youth, better check 21, 22. So Kane's on that opposite side where are we looking for short-term success? Are we looking to rebuild the team? And that's my only concern with him. Same with Lukaku at this age. And Lukaku is one that's, do we want to go open up old demons? Nothing against Lukaku. I think he's wonderful, but we had him and we had that opportunity to have him. We didn't take it. So It'll be interesting to see what we do. But speaking of midfielders, and I mentioned the name Frank Lampard, uh, I heard some great news about him today, right, Rahul? Yes, he has been inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame and goes in as Chelsea's first player into the Hall of Fame. So massive congratulations to him. And I think it's very well deserved. He should have been maybe one of the first ones, but that could be a little bit of biased opinion. 
Yeah, absolutely wonderful to hear that Frank has been inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame. I think I've said this before, Rahul, he's one of my favorite all-time players. I've owned his jersey for years. I know you've had the pleasure of actually meeting Frank Lampard in person. So absolutely classy man to go into the Premier League Hall of Fame and and the records and the titles and the things that he's broken and holds is is probably second to just a few. So absolutely excited for him and I wish him all the best and Hopefully we see him in the Premier League in the near future. There's some rumors going around that there. So, But another interesting topic, Rahul, today is the ninth anniversary of that famous night in Munich. It's been nine whole years, but I remember it like it was yesterday when we watched <laughs> it together and lived every kick in every call like we were there. Uh, and But finally, when that penalty from Drogba went and it was just crazy celebrations and a relief because we had watched Chelsea make it to the final, lose, make it to semifinals, don't make it. And it was just such a relief that we had won it. And I'd like to refill those feelings in a couple of days here at the end of this month. Yeah. Hopefully in a week or so, we'll be able to rekindle that joy and that emotion that we felt nine years ago. But again, we're not getting too ahead of ourselves. We're just cautiously optimistic and, for the listeners, we'll do a, a little Champions League review when we get a little bit closer and we'll let you know how we feel. But another important thing we need to talk about, Rahul, before we go into the Aston Villa preview is Frank Lampard's son, <laughs> in this case, Mason Mount, <laughs> has become the 2021 Chelsea Player of the Season. And what an incredible achievement. So following Frank Lampard's induction into the Hall of Fame, of course, not related. It was just a little joke. Mason Mount has now become our player of the season at the ripe old age. I think he's 21 years old. Yeah, and and very well deserved, I think. I was trying to think who else could have gotten it. And maybe one of the defenders in the last six months, maybe, since Stuchel's come in, so three months. But Mason's been on it from day one. Right, And that's the criteria of this is a player of the season, not just player of half the season. So uh, 35 appearances, six goals involved in 17 wins, five assists, uh, but a lot more than those stats. He brings energy. He brings passion, like you were saying. And he's literally one of us just living the dream. So it's good to see. And there's way, way, way more to come from him. Yeah, there's no more praise we can heap up on this young man, Rahul. I think I must be honest and take that step forward and say last season, I didn't think Mason was going to cut it in the Chelsea shirt, but he proved me wrong. He proved thousands of people wrong. Frank Lampard had the faith to stick with him. When Tuchel came in, we were a little bit worried because in Tuchel's first game, he dropped Mason. And that was a huge shocker to all of us. But Tuchel was just exploring what he had out there. And eventually he seems to have become one of Tuchel's untouchables as well. So everything this man is doing has proven that he bleeds blue, like I said earlier. And he's one of those players that's always got a goal in him, energy in him, an assist. He's got that driving factor that we need when we're we're a little bit down. Mason never puts his head down. He keeps going. So I can't think of any other player that deserves it more than Mason Mount this season. So hats off to him. Kudos to him. It's exciting. And I hope many, many more years of these performances to come from Mason Mount. Yeah, 100%. And... Uh, with all the characteristics you've mentioned, the one thing that we've seen in the last few months is his passion that he brings when he's interacting with some of the other players. I think of Zaha, I think of uh, the Leicester player. And so you can see how much this club means to him and what it means playing for it. So 
congratulations to him and he'll definitely be one player I watch at the Euros. Yes, as will I. Now moving on, Rahul, it's time for the Aston Villa versus Chelsea preview. And actually, we're talking about Aston Villa. There's an assistant coach at Aston Villa. Many Chelsea fans will be familiar with him, and that's John Terry. And what happened with John Terry today, Rahul? Well, you know, I don't like to boast, but he did (laughs) repost one of our stories we had put up uh, about a tweet, actually. So he played Spurs today. Spurs fans were back in the stadium, and they have a song about Ledley King being better than John Terry. And wow. so after a while, John Terry, obviously, he's just a good sport and was joking, turns around and just lifts an imaginary trophy above his head to say, <laughs> maybe Ledley King is better than me, but I've definitely won more trophies. And so that's something I reposted on our, on our Instagram story and said, we, you've got to love John Terry. And he reshared it. So thank you so much, John. And uh, maybe you will join us on the podcast someday. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. John, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on here so we can poke fun at the Spurs fans. But all jokes aside, Rahul, great to have fans back in general. We've already touched on this, but that's one of the good scenes we like to see where there's a little bit of banter between the fans and management and John and players. And of course, it's all in good fun and harmless fun. So happy to see and hear those things. But looping back into the game, can I get a predicted 11 from you, sir? Yes, sir. So this is another final. Like we said, it's a game that we must win to just completely solidify our third spot. Uh, so I think Mendy has to play, Aspilicueta has to play, Thiago Silva and Rudiger basically pick themselves in defense, uh, especially if uh, Christensen isn't fit. Reese James maybe goes back to right wing back. Jorginho, Kovacic, I don't think Conte plays this game. Ben Chilwell, I think, has to start. He's shown once again why he deserves to be the leading left wing back. Uh, and then I think Mount Pulisic and Timo Werner. Yeah, it seems like a pretty stable squad now, and hopefully Tuchel is listening because every now and then we say Ben Chilwell is probably going to start or for lack of being too aggressive is the better left back that we have. But he always seems to go back to Alonso every now and then. But like you've said, Rahul, this is essentially a final because mathematically we are not confirmed in the Champions League yet, right? No, we're not. We sit in third, like I said, with 67. Liverpool, who've made it into fourth spot, they can th- they can send us a thank you letter later uh, because Leicester now sit in fifth. Liverpool and Leicester sit on 66 points. So if we don't win our game and the two of them win their games, they bump us out into fifth. Uh, so it's definitely a game that if we win, it doesn't matter what happens on the other side. And the final day, Liverpool play Crystal Palace at home and Leicester play Spurs at home. So... Both games should be interesting to watch, but I think we've just got to do our business and it doesn't matter about anyone else. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I think Chelsea needs to put the head down and focus on the win and not worry about what's going on around them. But it is very nervy. It's a very scary moment because we don't want to wait till the last day and then have to win the Champions League to get back into the Champions League. We don't want to have that sort of pressure already on a pretty huge night. So keeping all these things in mind, Rahul, what do you think the result will be? I think it'll be 2-0. Uh, top, uh, I beg your pardon. Aston Villa said in 11th, they can't move up or down. And I think the only main thing for them in this game is to get Grealish a few more minutes after his injury. So they may not be up to it. They may already be in holiday, at least I hope. And maybe John Terry can influence that. But I think 2-0 to Chelsea. 
Well, I hope that we're going to get our wishes to come true because I'm actually going for 3-1 to Chelsea. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. I think we're just on the last few games where people are looking a little bit tired, but we have some goals in us and Timo was looking lively. So maybe he can pinch a goal or two. And this time VAR does not interfere. I will be praying and keeping fingers crossed about VAR. Just before we wrap it up, I do have to let our listeners know that Jackie has sealed the fantasy Premier League title that we had been fighting for for the last few months. Uh, So congratulations, Jackie. And next season, we will have our listeners participate. So you'll have to fight a little bit harder for that trophy. Thank you. It was not an easy run. I must say there's a lot of good competition. And actually, some of the people we play with are very, very intense in how they follow the game and watch the game. But I must say, I'm looking forward to actually having an open competition with some of the fans and see how this will play out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chills on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chills. So drop us a follow if you don't already. Uh, and send us your feedback. We're always improving and always listening and want to interact with you guys. So we look forward to that. And we'll be back later uh, this week or early next week to do a Villa review. And then it's the big one, the Champions League preview. So until then, stay safe and up the chills.